welcome to the TEH, the Tech Enthusiast Hour podcast, where several hosts talk about what they find interesting in tech each week. The show notes for this episode are at tehpodcast.com slash teh79. We have three hosts this week. I'm Leo Notenboom, the chief question answerer out at askleo.com. I'm also the publisher of a couple of non-technical sites, uh, Not All News Is Bad, Dot com, a daily antidote for everything else, and heroicstories.org, twice weekly stories of people just being good people. Kevin. I am Kevin Savitz. I am the chief printer outer at freeprintable.net, which is a site that offers printable documents and templates. Let's see, uh, 49,000 and counting right now. And creator of faxzero.com, which is a site that lets you send a fax for free to anywhere in the U.S. or Canada. Let's see, we've sent uh, 19 and a half million faxes so far, as of right now. And I'm Gary Rosenzweig, the host and producer at MacMost.com, where I do video tutorials to help you get the most from your Mac. And I also make apps, as in like iPhone app games and things like that. So what do we do this week, guys? In the last couple of weeks, actually. Since, it's uh, what been, I think we've been off for two weeks, which means yeah, it's actually been yeah. three weeks since we did this. Um, yeah, so this last weekend, I had a, an interesting time, completely uh, out of the tech sphere. I don't know if I, I think I've mentioned it to you before. I've done this every year for the past several. I use uh, my ham radio skills and go out and support the Bike MS uh, bike ride up in a town here called Mount Vernon. End up with, I think we had 1,300 riders on Saturday and 500 yesterday uh, doing courses upwards of 100 miles. And my role as a ham radio operator is to basically drive around behind them, stalking them, making sure that they're, uh, they're all safe, help out with flat tires, and occasionally um, cart someone back to uh, one of the rest stops or even to the start-finish line if they've had a mechanical failure. I actually own this awesome, awesome bike rack that uh, I've never used myself. Anyway... <laughs> Um, so that was the weekend, but what was really interesting about it was, I don't know, I think it made the national news in some cases. Seattle had a massive thunderstorm, a lightning and thunderstorm. And of course, this happened Saturday night. So what a lot of the bike riders do is they will go up, since this is a multi-day event, they'll go up and camp out in the field. Uh, it's actually the start-finish line is at a, a county fairground outside of Mount Vernon, or actually in Mount Vernon. So there's a bunch of tent campers, a bunch of RV campers, uh, of which I was one. I took up my, uh, my, tra my travel trailer and lived in that for, two, for a couple of days. Uh, but sure enough, 9 o'clock that night, uh, it started rolling in, and it was intense. It's, um, uh, like I said, it's not a thunderstorm or lightning storm that we're used to up here. Uh, we we have occasional thunder and lightning, but it's nothing like what people say on the East Coast or in the South are used to experiencing. The worst one I've ever seen was down when I was visiting in Florida at one point, and this rivaled that in terms of its intensity. So, of course, there you have all of these campers out there in their tents uh, getting dumped on, getting flashed at, and basically they ended up all evacuating, so to speak, into, uh, I don't know, one of the, the county fair buildings. I, on the other hand, uh, basically hung out in my trailer, which, as it turns out, uh, I've learned is a it's a tin can. It's an Airstream. And uh, when the rain turns to hail, it gets really noisy in your tin can. 
So there was not a lot of sleeping going on Saturday night. Uh, it was just interesting times. Uh, like I said, not something we're used to out here. I'm sure that the folks who are used to this kind of weather are just going, yeah, yeah, whatever. But uh, trust me, when you're from the Pacific Northwest, uh, this was exceptional. And like I said, I think I did make the uh, the national news in a couple of cases. Wow. I, so, uh, Kevin, you didn't have any inkling of the weather down there in Portland, did you? I'm not no. sure how, how far south it went. No, I didn't really do much here. It rained a little bit, but not like that. I know that it's been raining fairly hard here for the past couple of days, and I just checked my weather uh, my weather station, and what it refers to as an event, which I'm assuming is like the last 48 hours or so, we've had like three and a half inches of rain, which <laughs> is a lot of rain uh, to have in that short a period of time here. Wow. So that's well, that was my weekend. What about you guys? I uh, had a busy couple of weeks to see. Two weeks ago, I was in uh, Lengenfeld, Germany at a Atari 8-bit computer show called Fujiyama, which was quite an experience. Um, I just decided to go to the show and hang out with some Atari buddies and uh, and see what that was about. It was a very... I've been to a lot of vintage computer shows in the United States, and uh, this one was not in the United States, and it was very different in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, number one way was everyone was speaking German so <laughs> you know but uh, you know a lot of the, the shows I've been to here you know the people will set up booths and there'll be like a booth where guys showing off his I don't know his plotter collection right or, or here's here's the, the history of, uh, of optical media or whatever and, and this was a show where people sort of like set up their desks and they brought their projects that they've been waiting all year to do you know, they got away from the family and the kids or whatever, and and here they are, and they're gonna you know play their game or do their programming project or whatever. So it was very just sort of a different vibe, and, and um, so but I had fun, and I um, hung out with a German friend of mine and met uh, some made some some new friends and uh, learned a few things, and and it was good. But then I came home, I came home a little early, and then last week. Uh, we moved to a new house uh, in, in a different part of Portland, and so spent just, you know, packed up everything, and the movers came, and then we're still kind of in the throes of unpacking everything. Um, so this is my first podcast from my new basement office, and uh, it's just tech-wise, it's just been the just everything. I mean, uh, setting up, um, you know, internet. Uh, and you know, getting the internet throughout the house, and and oh, I mean, I have to. Here's the new television that came with the house, and we have to get that working with the remote control that my family likes and understands, and um, this security system, and the just all the all the little tech that goes into into daily life. It's just like okay, I have to get this all set up in the period of like two days, you know. <laughs> so it, I've been uh, running technical support. Uh, and everyone like the and the security cameras uh we have the arlo cameras and and uh i upgraded to the to the the new arlo ultra which is you know 4k video and uh all these other features so just kind of diving into all this this consumer household tech in the last few days as i uh get the get this new home up to speed so as i recall you would occasionally rub my nose in the fact that you had this awesome internet con connection in your old home yes. uh, that just blew mine away, even even after I improved mine. Uh, yeah. what, if, what do you have now? 
Uh, it's this. It's the same company. Mm-hmm. It's still allegedly gigabit internet. I had found in my old home that most of the time when my my router did its its nightly check, I was getting about uh, three hundred megabit down, um, rather than that's about so about a third of what I'm I should be getting. Right. Um, three you know three hundred three fifty, and I'm finding that here too. In my my gigabit internet, I, I'm getting about 300, and sometimes more, quite a bit more than that up. But the down is just like slower than I want it to be. So anyway, but it's still plenty fast and a good deal. And eventually, I will call and complain and see if I can find out why it's it's not what it should be. Um, but uh, my old office and the office before that and the office before that I've had over the years I've had the 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 hub of the internet has been my office that's where the wire comes into you know where the the fastest grooviest internet has been in my office and then there's wi-fi that spreads it around the rest of the house and this way this house was was pre-wired from the previous owners is the family room is where the internet goes to so right now I I'm on wired internet through you know the arrow router mesh network thing which is good but it's i feel like you know there's going to be a, come to a point where i'm going to have to upload a, a a few gigabytes of of information to a web server or something and i want i want full uh i want all the bandwidth i want the wired speed all the bits i want all the bits yeah so <clears throat> it's fine so i was a little concerned about this podcast and how it was going to sound. And apparently, you know, you guys say I'm fine. So yeah, great. no, you do sound good. So, but yeah. to clarify, you are actually on a wireless connection right now in your home? Yeah. Yes. Wow. And, and the, the, the main router is you know, above me on, on the next level. So, um, but when, when I'm going to have some, some AV stuff done and in a media room done, and, and when that happens, when those guys come to do that, I'm just going to see if I can get them to uh, run Ethernet from, family room to the basement sure so that i can have all the bits yep yep that's the way to do it yeah yeah so that's that's where i'm at what about you gary oh nothing nothing uh as exciting as all that i've been working hard working hard with uh creating videos creating courses uh, doing all my normal stuff so so gary there's a there's an apple event tomorrow yeah so tomorrow but probably be happening or over by the time most people listen to this uh yeah so it's the annual like mid-september event where they usually announce new iphones so i'm excited because i didn't get a new iphone last year i didn't think it was a big enough upgrade for me to to replace my my current one so um and i rarely ever do that many years i do a replacement every single year so i'm dying to get a new one and uh Hopefully a triple camera system that'll do all sorts of cool photography things. So, but. I've, been, I've been watching the the rumors and stuff. Even though I, yeah. I try, I try not to because I'm just like I, I don't know. I guess I don't know when I was a kid. I, I don't remember if if I was the kid who like wanted to know what my Christmas presents were before I opened them. You know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just sneaking around looking for it. But I feel like like you'll we'll all find out what the phone is when we find out, which is sure. yeah. tomorrow. So, but my, my, my internet news has just been feeding me constant stream of, of rumors, yeah, with the three cameras and stuff. And, uh, so it'll be interesting to see what 
actually turns up. Yeah, I think a lot of people they follow the rumors simply because you know they're at a point where they they want to buy something and they, there's this fear that you're going to buy something and then the next week or even like the next month, um, Apple comes out with you know with something that makes what you bought obsolete, right? right? So people start paying attention months in advance, saying you know oh I need a new iPhone, you know my my this is getting old or the screen is cracked or needs a new battery or whatever and and you know when are they going to come out with the new one it is interesting to um uh you know to hear that people are uh expecting things that aren't even rumored like you know you'll you know i'll be on reddit and i'll be like oh i hope they come out with new imax it's like no they've never <laughs> mid-september they never do that you know they it, it, there are certain ways that apple does things there's the worldwide developers conference you know where they talk mac and new developer stuff there's uh usually a later in the fall event where they talk about you know some maybe ipads or computer stuff this is always the iphone event and then people get upset too like they'll go through this event and say they didn't even mention the mac does apple not care about the mac it's like no this is the iphone event you know there's another event where they don't mention the iphone and they mention the mac so you know take your pick what they don't care about the iphone apparently if you worldwide (laughs) developers conference there's not not much but uh Either one, you know, the the rumors this year are pretty boring if you follow along because obviously there's going to be a new iPhone. Obviously, it's going to be better in some way than the existing iPhone. And there's a few other little rumors and things around stuff that's kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. The only weird thing that may happen um, is there's been this rumor for a while now of Apple coming up with a completely new product uh, that allows you to tag physical objects there's a existing company that has a product called a tile or whatever. Mm-hmm. You can attach it to like your car keys or your dog's collar or whatever. And, you know, you lose that object. You can then find it. And the rumor is that Apple is coming out with such a product, um, but theirs will be very different and use all sorts of interesting technology to like, you know, have basically an encrypted key and send out the signal that basically any phone, uh, any iPhone or Apple product that comes near it will like know where it is and send it encrypted through a system. So you put this thing on, you know, whatever object you want, like your car keys, and you lose your car keys somewhere, and then you may get a hit later that night. Oh, you're, you know, it's spotted at this restaurant that you were at or something. Um, so that could be interesting. I don't know if Apple's going to announce it now, but you know, just trying to think of what would Apple announce that catches people by surprise. That's the only thing that comes up. You know, like oh, a new Apple TV. People are talking about that, but the new Apple TV that would just be a processor upgrade. Like it's not going to be anything where it's you know does 3D or something like that. It's just going to be like normal everyday. You know, oh, we got a new model out type of thing. Right. But the tags could be interesting. It could be very geeky and techy and fun to talk about and especially if apple's going to be uh sending these encrypted codes in all sorts of interesting weird ways that uh it's interesting that if again if the rumors are are anywhere close to accurate this concept of using their entire installed base of devices as um, essentially this huge network for monitoring uh where something is is yeah it's it's got interesting ramifications, both in terms of privacy, of course, but also in terms of you're using my device to do what? Um, yeah, and they already have this for the latest MacBook Pros and MacBook Airs, I believe, with the T2 chip in them. There is already a system. 
in place with those that if one is lost um, and you happen to have your MacBook somewhere, um, it will pass along this encrypted data, um, tiny little thing that comes along. And so that's already something they're doing Interesting to help improve like people finding lost things. I guess I'm, I'm trying to think what iOS devices, if the latest iOS devices do that. But they do already do have that going with some of their hardware. Um, yeah, and, and of course the encryption is you know that's well thought out. You know, it's like I hope your so. device. Your device has no idea like what that device is, who it belongs to, nothing. It's just like I got this anonymous bit of encrypted data. I don't know what it is, and it just passes it along to Apple. Apple doesn't know what it is, but it sticks it up there, and then it matches a key that you've got when you're like, I need to find my whatever. And then Apple says, well, I've got this anonymous piece of data that belongs to you. And then you get it and you have the ability to decrypt it. And it says, oh, your iPhone's been left at this location. So, so yeah. So anyway, we'll t- well, I guess we'll talk about it if it actually happens. Or, right, I, right. I think it's going to happen, but when it happens, if it's now, later this year, next year. Do you year. think it's foolish to get a new iPhone this year when when next year practically guaranteed maybe kind of 5G is going to be available in the phones? That's a good question. The, the thing about 5G is that, I mean, for me, they're putting 5G towers up in my neighborhood like crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they love to talk about it on the next door. People got their tinfoil hats on around here. Oh, yeah. Oh, so anyway, they're putting the towers up like crazy. And um, and unfortunately, they're all Verizon towers, the ones I've seen. And I'm on AT&T, so I don't know how it helps me. I think maybe AT&T is doing it too, but their towers look different. I think they might be going on the poles or something, and mm. I'm not noticing them. But anyway, um, the thing is that, okay, so next year we get 5G, but is it still going to be really rolled out? Because even these 5G towers I've seen going up, I've heard they don't even have 5G in them now. They're basically you know, LTE towers now with the ability for them to put the 5G hardware in. So they're putting the part of the infrastructure in place, um, which would make sense because this stuff is so early. It's like, do they really are they really installing 2019 hardware in them already? You know, wait till they have you know, the best 5G. It's just like marketing at this point. Like, here's this hot new tower. It's going to be 5G. Well, so much of your window in your house. The, so the thing is that, you know, so you have a whole year to wait before you get a 5G iPhone. And even once you get it, I'm thinking, oh, it'd be great. I could get 5G connection right at my house. Oh, wait a minute. Why do I need 5G at my house? I've got Wi-Fi at my house. So it's not really important here. Okay, so it'll be great, though, when I walk around the neighborhood. Like, what am I doing walking around the neighborhood that I need 5G? I'm not, like, walking down the street and saying, oh, I need a whole bunch of – I need to upload a ton of data. You know, Live video. Home. I, I guess I do live video from my home. I don't know. So I, I think it's a marginal thing, like whether or not you really need that – I know that 5G there are also you know. some some concerns about whether or not it's really all that in the sense that the frequency spectrum they're using is so high that it's fairly easily blocked and doesn't have that much of a range. It doesn't have the same range that your four, your LTE yeah. does. Well, these uh, towers are like every two blocks. Right. So I it's, mean, they're it's, easy to, yeah, but, easy to stop. You know, whether they'll reach, even, even if there's one outside your office building, it's unclear whether it'll make it through the walls. So um, I think there's a lot to be... Uh, uh, to be 
you know, fleshed out here. And to answer Kevin's original question, no way would I right now wait, you know, delay because of five five G. I just wouldn't. It's unproven. Yeah, I mean, I still can't even get a signal out in the wilderness. I mean, went on a hike this summer and I could not. I didn't have any signal pretty much the whole time, except like at the very top of a mountain. If I were going to um, wait for something, it would actually be a solution to that problem, which actually would be one of the uh, satellite-based Internet uh, services. They're not yeah. out for a few years, I'm sure. But nonetheless, those are the ones that I think will give you um, a significant leap in functionality just by virtue of their ubiquity. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I yeah, I think I think you're looking at at least two years from uh, from now for 5g being viable you know you get gonna get those first phones a year from now that have it but it's not really that big of a deal it's like oh, okay i can't get 5g out in front of my house when i don't have wi-fi but it's not that great or whatever and then maybe a year after that then it really settles in but i mean that's two years so you know it, i don't i wouldn't wait i'm not gonna i'm certainly not gonna wait um to upgrade yeah. my phone this year i want those three cameras <laughs> <laughs> I want I want all that uh, going on. So, and you know, I, I I love the camera stuff. I love the you know what are they going to do? They did some cool stuff with two cameras. Now what are they going to do with three cameras? Like in the software to be able to combine those images and and uh, do all sorts of cool things. Right. So, I'm still using the six S, which I think I got f- four years ago. So yeah, it's time. Yeah, I'll I'll be passing on a phone to my daughter that is newer than that. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm gonna. That's that's my justification. It's just like uh, my daughter is gonna be uh, taking public transportation for from school. She will need a phone. There you go. Yeah. So yeah, it's you know, families. It helps that families because you can pass all the digital stuff down the line. Uh, you know, you get my old one, you get the older old one. (laughs) (laughs) When I was moving, I don't think I said this before, when I was packing up a month ago, just, you know, you're going through closets that you haven't looked at in a long time. And I I found this, this iPhone, I think it was iPhone three and the battery was like, the the, the phone was bulging. The battery was getting weird and old. The entire phone was just like fat and just like, it's like, oh man, I didn't want to pick it up too hold it too hard i thought the battery would just like explode all over me or something (laughs) yeah how did you dispose of it i took it to the electronics recycling place you have to even be careful with that when i had a uh, my original microsoft surface uh, which was probably the same era uh, i noticed that it was bulging at one point and i did the research and a lot of electronics recycling places don't want them if they're in that condition Mm. because it's a danger and it's not so much that it's going to explode all over you it's more like it's going to suddenly i don't know burst in some way that isn't really a violent burst except for the flames that happen immediately thereafter that's Um, why i always take those those old electronics on airplanes with me good for you fly them them around as much as i can Well, I mean, I've told the story before on the show. I mean, you know, a year ago or whatever. But when I found the old Mac, an old MacBook in a drawer and it was bulging, I went and took it to the Apple Store. You know, they have a recycling thing. I took it to the Apple Store, you know, ten blocks from my house, and said, "I need you guys to recycle this." And they said, "Oh, we'll, we'll do that. It won't cost you anything, but you have to do it by mail." And I said, "Really, by mail? Look at it." And they're like. Oh, hold on. <laughs> they went into the back <laughs> and they came back out and they said, we'll take that off your hands. And that was it. 
I, mm. I was like, I wasn't going to ask any questions. It was like, yeah. great, they here we the go. Dumpster. They threw the dumpster out back. <laughs> dumpster out back of the mall. Yeah. There's, there's a part of me that wants to take one of those bulging batteries and go out in the middle of one of my pastures and just, I don't know, hit it with a hammer or, or shoot it with a BB gun <laughs> sure. or, you know, just see what happens. Watch it explode. Right. Will um, it blend? Will it? <laughs> I mean, I think what you could do, you put it in like a hot box or something. I mean, you try to get it to explode on its own. I think like heat would be the thing, you know, put it in some sort of aquarium with the sun shining on it, you know, right. where the temperature will like go way up, uh, you know, 100, 120 degrees. And, uh, you know, but you still might be in for a wait of a few days watching it, put a, a uh, camera on it. Right. Let, let it go. You know, Imagine your Twitch stream. Yeah, there, there you, you go. go. Twitch stream. <laughs> Get other people watching it. Just put it on a Twitch stream and say, please message me at whatever, you know, if it explodes so it doesn't turn down the forest. No, no, then you got to start taking bets on exactly when. Sure. When will it explode, you know? That would be interesting to see if the, if that actually worked, worked on Twitch, if it, like, kept building up the, <laughs> the viewership. <laughs> uh, oh, well. <clears throat> Well, from exploding technology to other ex you know, old technology, I was amused by this one. I ran into it a couple of weeks ago. Um, Notepad. Notepad is, it has, a, it has the most interesting history. Uh, Windows has a bunch of what they call common controls. So there's software built into Windows that, you know, basically put a button here, um, put, a, put a, a, a line of text entry here. And there's a common control for multi-line edit. And Notepad was essentially the program they wrote to test that. So it really is, or at least was, nothing more than a wrapper for a single Windows built-in control that's used everywhere. Of course, it, it gets a lot of use for taking a look at, uh, at random text files. It's the only real text-only viewer that comes with Windows. They're moving it to the Microsoft Store. So I don't know if that means that they're going to actually remove it from Windows or if you'll get some of its newer updated features by upgrading through the Microsoft Store. But that led me down a path that actually, you know, notepad, right? Who cares? On the other hand, there's so much stuff in Windows. And by stuff, I mean crap, that there is <laughs> an opportunity here to really... Uh, basically pare windows down to something perhaps a little bit lighter and then let people pick and choose by moving more and more of the components that ship with the thing every day um, to the Microsoft store. Now, Apple doesn't, I mean, Apple's in the same position and they could do this and they haven't, right? When you fire up a new instance of, of a Mac um, and, you know, running OS 10. You've got a lot of stuff in there, a lot of which you'll never use. Um, yeah, there's a there's a chess game and a weird graphing program and a bunch of weird little stuff. So why aren't those in the Mac store? Why not just let those be things people choose to install rather than forcing it on them? Anyway, I'm hopeful that Microsoft might take a hint. Um, you know, the the cynic in me says, of course, they won't. But uh, that that, you know, let's do this with Notepad. Great. Let's do it with WordPad and the games and the thises and the thats. And, you know, see what else you can move into the store so that what people want, if they want something, their same old something that they're used to using and have been familiar with from Windows XP days, 
Yeah, it's not part of Windows, but you can quickly get it by downloading it from the Microsoft Store for free. So it's there if you want it. I'm just hopeful that they'll go take that path. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm a little concerned that because Apple didn't, um, that there's some grand reason that I'm missing. Well, Apple did though. It kind of did. I, I'm trying to remember now exactly. It's hard, you know, when you use this stuff all the time. It's like, well, what comes installed? I mean, I don't think I don't. I believe Pages, Numbers, and Keynote don't get installed with the operating system, but at one point they did. Um, you just get them from the App Store. They definitely don't on iOS. I know that. And I think there's a few other things. They did move a few things to the App Store, um, and some of them I believe you do get with the operating system. But now, because they're in the App Store, you could uninstall them. Whereas before, they were like baked into the operating system. Mm. You can't uninstall them because there's no other way to get them. And then they took a, a several apps and they said, okay, they're installed, but you can uninstall them and reinstall them. There's a Mac App Store like entry for them to be able to get them. Um, so I think they did. I mean, Apple's got like that chess game, for instance, that you mentioned. The reason that's there is it's like the one thing you get that uses Game Center. So it's basically there to be a here's one thing that uses Game Center that will be on you know every Mac by default, and it's t- a tiny little game anyway. Um, right. Well, people uh, have lots of reasons for not wanting something on their machine, and the fact that yeah. it's tiny is actually only you know part of the equation. Sure. So as I sit here, because I'm I'm looking at my Mac, um, I'm actually recording on my Mac tonight, and I I totally get I'm not the average Mac user, but uh, you know sure I don't use Safari. You probably want a browser, but then Microsoft went the Edge route. So I look at Safari as my as as the Mac's Edge. Um, there's a mail program that I never use. There's contacts that I never use. There's uh, a calendar and reminders and notes and maps and messages and FaceTime oh, so you, well, and photos. Yeah, because you're not using any of the, I don't uh, use the Apple ecosystem. Any of those things, right? I'm not part of the Apple ecosystem in that sense. And the fact is, iTunes, please make iTunes go away. Okay, fine. They're kind of sort of doing that. Um, yeah, they are. The, yeah, so I mean, there are so many different scenarios where people are using things that I, you know. And by the way, Pages and Numbers and Keynote and Preview—they're all here, right? They're all and, and I didn't install them. Okay, um, so maybe well, but your Mac isn't—I mean, new. No, no, no. This is—I've yeah, so had this for several years. Um, so you're right; it might be legacy stuff that they just keep updating because it's already there. Um, so. I don't know. I just I just see a, a huge opportunity um, for them to make nice with a lot of people who are tired of all this clutter on their machine. And for a lot of people, that's all it really is, right? It doesn't have any yeah. real impact in terms of disk space or performance or any of that. It's just clutter, and and they they want to they don't want to see it. Hmm. Anyway, I'm hopeful. We'll see what happens. The fact that they chose notebook as their I'm sorry, um, uh, Notepad as their uh, um, test bed or, or initial point is uh, uh, is interesting. In similar news, um, they this week I read that they're bringing back Power Toys. Power Toys was a set of uh, developer-initiated uh, utilities, uh, literally developers. These were like random people in the Microsoft development community, mostly in the Windows group, uh, that generated these random toys that did interesting things, and they packaged it all together and released it to the public in the, in the, under the name of Power Toys for Windows XP. They are uh, now releasing 
something they're calling power toys. It's not the same code base, and I don't think it'll have everything that the old power toys did, but it's got a couple of interesting things in it now that I think, uh, again, bodes well for uh, the people that are missing some of these utilities. I know that there's one that I installed uh, almost immediately that um, I found interesting. Uh, I have to go find the official name for it again. Um, it is... Fancy zones, they call it. It's basically a window manager that lets you define regions on the screen that you want windows to snap to if you uh, if you do the right thing. Um, it's something that I use all the time. If you've got a large monitor or a couple of large monitors, then you can quickly you know, arrange your windows in an efficient way and then save the, uh, save the configuration. The other thing that's interesting about that is that they released it on GitHub. It's open source, which means that other people will hopefully be able to add interesting things to it. And certainly everybody can see what the code is and how they're doing what they're doing. So I just found those two interesting, uh, you know, interesting approaches to, uh, to software releases that hopefully Microsoft will move towards a little bit more in the future. Nice. You mentioned multiple monitors. I'm hijacking for a minute. Um, Go for curious, it. Curious, you guys right now, you guys have m multiple monitors on your. Yeah, I've got three. Mm -hmm. I'm staring at three right now. Cool. Leo? So I have two, sort of. Call it one mm -hmm. and a half. <laughs> okay. What, what I have is I've got this 32 inch curved Dell monitor, and that's my main monitor on my desktop downstairs. Yeah. Um, where I am right now, I'm looking at my Mac Pro, and it's got the old Mac Cinema display and just the single display on it. But the machine downstairs is a laptop. So I've actually configured it such that I sit the laptop off to the side, and its screen is up as kind of a secondary screen. It's, it's physically smaller, but has a higher resolution, which makes it interesting to try and, and you know, use it mm -hmm. in some usable fashion when you're when you're paired with a larger monitor like I have. But um, ultimately, the large desktop monitor for me is the way to go. If I didn't have that large a single monitor, I would absolutely have two. Hmm. And I've done two and three in the past, and it's it's basically come down to the convenience of having a single piece of hardware. Sure. I uh, my old previous office, I had my my oh. iMac monitor and then a, a Dell. I don't know, a, a, a medium-sized monitor next to it. And uh, it typically just had email running on, on the Dell monitor. And just like, oh, so I always have my email client visible. And so far, and I'm still getting, set up the new office, and I was like, well, I'm going to see if I can just go back to one monitor. And I'm not like a developer type who needs, you know, a huge amount of real estate. I mean, I like the idea of having multiple monitors, and I've had them for years, but also like the idea of reclaiming a little bit of my desk space and uh, kind of living more frugally monitor-wise for a minute. What, what, what's the, what's the, the question you need to ask yourself? Does that second monitor bring you joy? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Right now, right now... Uh, if it doesn't, thank it for its service and let right. it go. Oh, no, it's a real good monitor. I'm not getting rid of it. I'll use it for something <laughs> somewhere. It's, uh, it's real nice. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think it... for. For a while, I think I'm just going to be a one-monitor man and see how that goes. Well, I, I see a lot of people nowadays, the cool thing is to get one of those ultra-wide curved mm -hmm. monitors. Yeah, that's what I've got. I walked through an office the other day. That, I mean, it had one of these. And, uh, you know, basically, it very much looks like what I've got. I just have it on three different screens. Yep. And I actually have a lot more pixels because it's. Uh, I think those are 4K in terms of the number of pixels. I've got 4K just on my center monitor. 
and you know it's a 1080 uh, on the two side ones I've turned vertical um, but I but I am kind of like the developer type guy so <laughs> so sometimes I am actually running Xcode and I've got all these windows open and I have you know web browser in one where I'm looking up some function and have my email at the top of another one and then you know some other developer apps going on and on the other screen on the left and so yeah it's no every there is no dead piece of real estate on my three screens even right now just doing this there's like windows open on all of them uh doing different things so so yeah if it if it's, it comes down to it does it bring you joy thing i may have to get more <laughs> <laughs> i might need i'm thinking you know the space above doesn't have anything you know i could get another 4k monitor up there and you know, put it at an angle tilt it a little bit down towards my head that would be kind of neat. So you should run a flight. Yeah, get like nine monitors, run a flight simulator. Or exactly. Something. I was going to say you're not a you're not a gamer, are you? So well, I am, but you, but, but I don't use. I, I don't think I've ever done anything game wise <laughs> that just hasn't been on the center screen. <laughs> Pac Man doesn't need nine monitors. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it would be cool if it did. Come on. It could, no, you know, be like, awesome. I got to yeah, tell you, War, Warcraft on World of Warcraft on this large curved monitor is actually pretty cool. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Have Pac-Man come go through the tunnel instead of coming out the other side. Just keeps going on the next screen. Next monitor, right? There's a whole other maze over there. Yeah. Multi-monitor yeah. Pac-Man. I like it. <laughs> so, should we talk about Twitter? Sure. Let's talk about Twitter. In the ultimate irony of ironies, Jack Dorsey, who is what the he's one of the founders. Is he like the CEO now? He is a CEO, so. yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Of Twitter, had his Twitter account hacked, <laughs> which was, um, like I said, awesome in a in a you know a Schadenfreude kind of way. But the, uh, the 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 interesting thing about this scenario is as much how it was hacked rather than that it was hacked. Um, someone managed to do what's called sim swapping. And when you do a SIM swap, what you're really doing is what I refer to. I believe I believe what you're really doing is what I would consider to be social engineering. You're calling up the phone company. You have enough information about the target that you can convince the uh, uh, the customer support representative that you are the proper owner of that particular device. And oh, by the way, I lost my phone. Can you assign it to this other phone? I can you assign my number? to this other phone I have in my hand. And of course, if that happens, that means that, uh, in this case, Jack Dorsey's cell phone number went to this person, this other person on this other phone, at which point he was able to do things like account or password recovery on the uh, on his Twitter account and then go to town. So this was social engineering then? Essentially, yeah. And my understanding of SIM swapping is that it really is a fancy term for mostly social engineering. Um, and, and then a lot of ways, you know, all of the, the especially the mobile companies that you know, assign phone numbers based on um, you know, electronic IDs, uh, as most phones are, be it with a SIM card or not, um, they're all kind of at risk for this, and they all have to put protections in place to make sure that they don't assign the phone number uh, of an existing account to someone who shouldn't have access to it. Mm. It almost seems like uh, whatever company is responsible for being socially hacked, um, you know, they, they need to have some sort of way to flag an account 
um, where you know you could go and volunteer. Somebody like Jack Dorsey could, you know, go in and say, "I need my account flagged," and if anything like that happens, you know, a whole list of different things that could happen. Something pops up on the screen of whatever customer service representative is looking at it, saying, "Oh, I'm not supposed to handle this. Right. This has to go to like one of three top security guys." Yeah, like company. Yeah, no account changes unless there's a, a notarized letter from, you know, or so, <laughs> right. something. Well, yeah, 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 or or just it goes to like there are a couple, because you know the thing is the problem is there's probably like a thousand people that deal with this at whatever phone company it is, and you know there's probably three that know all this stuff and know who Jack Dorsey is and you know all that stuff, and you know it has to be flagged and says it needs to go to one of these guys. And you these know. guys are just like they handle just the special so cases. What the phone company apparently has in place is very much like a credit freeze, because ultimately that's a, it's very similar to a credit freeze with credit or credit bureaus. And uh -huh. that is you can say freeze my credit. <clears throat> and when you do that, they give you some kind of information, be it a password or a pin or a something that you can then you know, provide at a later date should you need to unfreeze your pass or unfreeze your unfreeze your credit. Um, or do something else that would, you know, in, be in violation of the freeze. Uh, most of the mobile companies, I believe, have the ability for you to set up an additional PIN that is required mm. to be specified in order for any of these kinds of changes to uh, take place. Now, have most people put in a PIN? Well, you know, I haven't, and I probably should. I don't know if either of you have. Um, do I think I have. Do most people realize that this is even an option? Probably not, because it's not something that the companies tend to make a big deal out of, because when you think about it, it's more work for them, right? It's more, it's more hoops for their customer service agents to then have to deal with. Um, it's more hoops for customers who have lost their PIN, and trust me, customers will lose their PINs, um, to, to be able to recover or do anything with. So there's a downside to it, but from a security perspective, it is something that quite honestly, Mr. Dorsey probably should have put in place. Yeah. I once put my, one of those credit freezes on for absolutely no reason. It was just that I heard you could do that. So I did it, and he had to renew it every year. And I one day walked into a Sprint store because they had a deal on those little mobile, like, MiFi things, yes. you know, and I was doing some traveling. So I was like, oh, get one of those. And it was like a monthly plan. And for some stupid reason, I, I don't know if they still do this, but, you know, they had to run a credit check because I'm getting a monthly plan for, you know, 20 or 30 bucks a month, which is weird because you can get all sorts of things that cost way more than that per month and nobody runs a credit check on you. But for some reason, the phone companies still think they need to do that. At least they did when I did this. It must have been 10 years ago. But uh, and actually, I didn't know they needed to run a credit check. They didn't say that. They just said, okay, we do this. And it can, there was some problem with their system. We don't know. There's a problem with the system. We don't know what's going on. And it's stretching to like 15 minutes, half hour, an hour. I'm there. And it's like, we don't know what's happening. And this, and we have the, the office, you know, sprint home office on and trying to figure out why the computer is giving us this error code on whatever. And finally, it's like, oh, they said, they said it runs a credit. Do you even by any chance to have a freeze on your credit? I was like, oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> and I didn't know you would have to run a credit check for this. And they were like, yeah. So they, it turned out that there wasn't a pin. The deal was they had a number on file, and they would have to call that number, and um, 
and I had my cell phone with me. I said, call it. And my phone didn't ring. And they just said, oh, no, the person on the other end hung up. I was like, oh, crap, it must be the home number. <laughs> so I, so I was like, oh, so I'm not home. And they're like, oh, they need to talk to you personally. So then I had to, I called my wife at home and walked her through the steps of doing call forward <laughs> to my cell phone. And so then I said, now try it. And sure enough, it forwarded to my cell phone. I answered and said, yes, this is me, Gary. And yes, I do get permission for Sprint to run a credit check. Hmm. <laughs> and yeah, so that was kind of a... Uh, interesting you know but hey the system worked right right i it protected me from nothing and clearly I mean, probably it, it should have protected me from making a bad purchase and getting that stupid my buy that you know with the two-year subscription <laughs> plan that's what it should have done but in your case you were in a situation where the additional hoops apparently didn't bother you the additional delay wasn't an issue oh um, it bothered me it was an issue but yeah okay i yeah no i take it. um but sure. you know certainly if if you're in a, a more emergent situation um, mm -hmm. You know, you want you want it to be secure, but you also want it to be I don't want to say convenient because that that's at odds with security. But you at least want it to be relatively I'll just say fast. Right. You want it to be something that can be accomplished in a relatively short amount of time. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people object to, because they like I said, they don't remember these pins or they set the pins to their you know, their single pin or, or whatever. Um, Anyway, it's just it's interesting that something as simple as uh, social engineering um, is still being used and being used to target high profile targets like Jack Dorsey and succeeding. Sure. And and high profile is a good key term to use here because people always read about this stuff and get uh, panicky. But, you know, high profile targets are high profile targets. Absolutely. Uh, it's that they they having the effort applied to it makes sense for whoever wants to do it either they're going to get fame or right. money or something uh which means for most of the rest of us we don't have to worry about this kind of attack very much now i will say that there is one exceptionally high profile twitter user who i'm <laughs> sure yeah is I under talking about. constant threat of um, of their of their account being hijacked, I know and Ariana Grande. Of I course. gotta believe, I gotta believe that there's way more security in place uh, for that specific account than perhaps for any other account on the planet, because the um, the risks of that account falling into the wrong hands, um, be they explicitly malicious or just some random teenagers doing something stupid, um, the the risks are so high that um that it's got to be there, there's got to be more to it than just a pin i would if that I would account take... ever starts making sensible tweets then you'll know it's been hacked exactly <laughs> I, leo i would not be surprised if there isn't any of that seriously which if which there's... honestly scares me um mm -hmm. but it's not the only thing that scares me <laughs> yeah so i don't know i just get the feeling that there really isn't any anything more with that account and um, any other high-profile account. And yeah. So, you know. The account that shall remain nameless. Yeah. <sighs> so. Let's talk about Disney instead. Well, yeah. So, okay. <laughs> so, no. So, on to some fun stories. Well, I guess we have all been doing fun stories. But, um, so this is fun. Uh, Disney is soon going to be offering space cruises. Space cruises. Yeah. 
So uh, this I thought was really fascinating. Um, they're offering space, uh, Star Wars themed space cruises. Space and- cruises. <laughs> That's going to get old. Uh, so the deal is, of course, they, they're not sending anybody to space. But what they're going to do is simulate a cruise-like thing in a hotel. Um, and they've announced this. They actually, you know, people that follow Disney stuff had already known that they were coming up with some sort of Star Wars-themed hotel. And they just assumed it was going to be like you can go to Walt Disney World Resort and there was like a Star Wars hotel. And it just everything looked like Star Wars inside. They didn't think it was going to be anything like this. So the deal is, it sounds like you, you first you pay for I guess it's three days, two nights. So it's like paying for a cruise. You um, arrive and you get into the hotel by going on some sort of ride. That the ride will make it seem like what you're actually doing is blasting off into orbit, probably into hyperspace, and arriving at this spaceship. And what you're actually doing is probably exiting the other side of the ride. I'm get, I'm guessing, you know, you get out of the car, and on the other side uh, is the hotel. Um, and then the hotel is all kind of all the windows are uh, LCD screens with views of space, and including the ones in your room. Um, and everything is kind of enclosed in there, so you have this illusion that you're in outer space. Um, and then all of the crew are in costume. Some of them in a costume as aliens from the Star Wars universe. And there'll even be plot lines and things. Uh, it sounds like like the activities, instead of doing the crew stuff, you could do things like, um, you know, uh, take a gunner, gunner training. You know, oh, in case we're attacked, it'd be good to have some extra gunners on board. So you could, like, learn how to use the ship's guns, which are probably some sort of video game kind of thing and uh, and then of course probably what happens is towards the end of the cruise the ship is indeed attacked <laughs> and and those of you who had been trained as gunners please report to your stations to help fend off the uh you know the uh i forget the name of the uh, the first order that's what it is the first order from the ship and um and then there'll be like lightsaber training and uh, all sorts of stuff so it's all very star wars themed and and, and then at the end, oh, and there's going to be an excursion, and the excursion is going to be to the Star Wars land in Disney World. So probably enter a shuttle, which will be a bus, and they take you to that thing, and then you walk around that land like you're on, you know, on Tatooine or wherever it's supposed to be, and then get back on the bus when it's done, and back to your, uh, back to the ship, and then you probably have some sort of ride or way you disembark the ship at the end that it doesn't break the illusion too much. Um, anyway, it sounds really cool. I was like, this sounds like a really good idea. I'm sure it's going to be outrageously expensive. Uh, but As any Disney hotel is. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but in, what a neat idea for it's an experience. It's a clever idea. It is. And probably excellent use of, like, crappy real estate for them. You know, you, <laughs> you don't you – don't, you could do a hotel without needing, like, a good view or, you know, or, or a space for an outdoor pool or whatever because, you know, everyone's going to be inside looking at, at lcd screens at windows um yeah that would be super super yeah and you know when they have they have uh you know we'll have a link to the a lot of tech uh blogs covered it but we'll have a link to the original story which was basically this pr release from uh from disney you know and they've got pictures and it shows you know it's funny all the uh the bloggers were like oh and you get to meet characters like look there's chewbacca i'm like well 
why does that have to be Chewbacca? That could just be an, uh, another Wookiee, right? Every time there's a Wookiee, it doesn't have to be Chewbacca. <laughs> Chewbacca is everywhere. Yeah, but you know they've draw. You know, so there'll be people in costume, and of course Disney excels at that, right? right. Having people right. that play the entire part of the Disney character, right? That that never break character. So you can you know go and talk to different people, and they're supposed to also be like deeper things that go on. So if you wanted to, for instance like go behind that door over there it leads to what looks like kind of an engine room and there are actors in there and when they see you coming they start secretly talking about some sort of you know rebel spies or something like that you know and then you and you're supposed to overhear that and then you can kind of play into the entire uh uh you know storyline you know and and go, come back and go again and this time you're it's like you know, one of those for another um, part evening murder mystery parties take it to the yes. extreme yes so so yeah. did they give a date i don't know if there's a date on on there i think it's coming soon or something like that or whatever they probably going to roll it out like i'm sure you know there's people that have special access to disney oh, stuff yep start eight five nine eight point three i don't know <laughs> I'm yeah i'm, to I'm sure that they'll roll it out to their their <laughs> their best customers first well i know there's a um i I was just watching a uh a vlogger uh, talk about a park in utah that uh is like a renaissance fair but it's a it's basically done better and it's like a dungeon and dragons type adventure thing and you go in and you're basically a first level character and you spend all day in this park and the actors never break character and there's missions for you to run like missions and goals and you can talk to like characters and they'll tell you, please, you know, take this message to so-and-so and, and you go and you complete these goals and you get little gold pieces and all like, this stuff. I tell them, the actors, your mission is to leave me alone. Let me read my book. Just go. Yeah. go. <laughs> so sounds anyway, like a real so life world. Like a lot of fun. Sounds like a real life yeah. world of Warcraft. Cause that's what a lot of these games are is, you know, go kill sure. 10 of these things or go deliver this message to that person uh, or something. It's, like it's, that. it's, LARP, you know? Yes. Why yeah, well, that's, that's what it's it's compared to. Is compared to basically a like theme park style LARP, you mm-hmm. know, where you can just show up for the evening, you know, and you're doing, you know, you and a bunch of other people are going through this village, you know, you're in this village and you have to uncover these things that are going on. For and- the uh, small subset of listeners who are scratching their head right now, LARP, live action role playing. Yeah. Yeah, our, our listeners know that. Most of them do. I'm absolutely convinced <laughs> most of them do. This is for the one that doesn't. So I guess the Star Wars, interesting. I didn't even think about that, but the Star Wars, uh, you know, cruise is basically a LARP too. Really, mm-hmm. um, you know, you definitely could get into it enough. Uh, I guess you have to really. I guess you're not going to have a good time, <laughs> you know, on that thing. If you if you're not going to go and buy into like, oh, let's have fun and just pretend. We actually are in the Star Wars universe. Then why are you there? So, yeah, yeah. So this cool. let's, let's end with this next one. The yeah. this one caught me kind of by surprise. Uh, this is not a test. This is not a test. <laughs> yes, um, the FCC doesn't like it when you use fake emergency broadcast signals in your television <laughs> show. Yeah. And and on one hand, it surprises me that the television shows didn't already know that, uh, especially the shows 
uh, that, that got affected. These are shows like, uh, what was it, Young Sheldon, Walking Dead, and, and I forget the other one. Jimmy Kimmel Live. Jimmy Kimmel Live. A, well, he's going to do yeah. it just on, on purpose, right? <laughs> well, he probably had it in a sketch or something right, like that. Right, exactly. I don't know what the, um, but the fines are huge. That, the, as they should be. But what surprised me is that I don't know what it was for Walking Dead, but for um, Young Sheldon, if it was going to be period authentic, then... Wow. They weren't using a current EBS. They were using something right. that would have been appropriate to the time that is no longer supported. Yeah, and they even, and this article here we'll link to, it does mention that they did actually, seems like they used a period appropriate one. So I don't know. And they even situation. modified maybe, it to some degree. Maybe the, maybe the idea is that, you know, the new one that we hear that sounds like a digital beep. Actually, let's play the, the one right now. No, no we can't. Yeah. <laughs> Just so the listeners can hear it, you know. Okay, fine. I might provide. I'll, a... I'll, I'll insert it in before we post it. No, 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 no. <laughs> we'll provide a link to something, right? Because there are uh, definitely links out there. The Wikipedia page actually has a link to a couple of examples. I, I miss. I miss the. This is a test of the emergency broadcast right. system. This is only a test. In the next sixty seconds, we'll be conducting a test. You know, they did a little speech, but, and then they. But drove, a part Bing. of that is because you're not listening to live radio or TV the way you used to. But they they don't There's, do it on. The, I mean, do they really? They still I do it on radio. I have it. absolutely heard it on radio. Really? Huh. Yep. yep. But because so much of what we're listening to these days is not live radio, uh, we're just not there. And of course, we we get notified much better now because our phones. Right get those notifications uh i had one or uh, this summer flash flood uh thunderstorm thing did you get one on um uh when you, you were in that rain uh saturday no, no there was no emergency alert special set what? out for that but that's we, what it's for we did get one a couple <laughs> weeks ago for an amber alert okay yeah so yeah there, that's a different system it is but a different system part it's of the, the same kind yeah. of idea and you, you know you're right text messaging or sending out those kind of alerts via uh, something that people actually have in their pocket most of the time is probably more effective because people, like I said, just aren't listening to live radio and TV the way they used to. I remember uh, we were on vacation and uh, uh, somewhere, and we were in Hawaii, and there was actually a really dangerous flash flood, and we would have had no idea. I mean, at home, you kind of know. You know, like, what danger you're in, you know, all that stuff. The area we were in, no clue. And our phones did actually go off, and we actually were in a pretty bad situation. It ends up being fine. But without those phones going off, we would have slept through the entire thing um, and not realized that, you know, basically the, you know, the house, which was elevated on you know, stilts, basically, that we were staying in, was basically, you know, three feet of water underneath us as we were sleeping, Yikes. rushing by to the, to the, <laughs> to the ocean. Um, but, yeah, the... Uh, I, I don't know. The fines are really big. Twenty two hundred seventy-two thousand dollars against CBS for the Young Sheldon infraction. The Walking Dead um, uh, had uh, one hundred four thousand dollars. I can't even remember on the Walking. Maybe it was an early episode or whatever. Yeah, I don't remember but, it either. But yeah, you know the funny. Th uh, we're coming up on another uh, uh, an anniversary here of, of course, nine eleven, and I remember one of the interesting things. Uh, from the text standpoint that happened uh, that day, you know, in the aftermath was people said, well, why didn't the emergency alert system go off and on 9-11? Especially that morning when nobody knew what was going on. Right. Right. All the all our, you know, lives growing up with, you know, this will be the system that alerts us if something really goes down. And then there was a day when things really went down mm. and they didn't bother to do that. Of course, they didn't need to. Everybody was glued to the television watching 
the news. So it would have not made any sense for them to do it. But still, nobody thought to activate it. I think there were some articles about that uh, afterwards, too, about why didn't they use it when they, they finally had a chance to. So anyway, on that note, let's hope we never hear it again. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Well, we hear it for tornado warnings and weather-related events, right? Right. I mean, that's not going to stop. Well, it's interesting because that's one of the things that, again, depending on where you live, hey, we've come full circle, weather. The, um, yeah. What a lot of people in, like, the tornado belt have are, in fact, weather radios, which are the kinds of things, if I understand them correctly, will actually automatically alert, um, even when they're not, quote-unquote, on, right? They will fire up. Uh, them, they will fire themselves up when they receive the appropriate tone and signal that says they should be, and then they'll play whatever the alert is. And that's all hap- that all happens, I believe, on the NOAA weather radio channels frequencies. Um, but out here, for example, in the Pacific Northwest, nobody's got those because we don't have that kind of weather here. We don't have the kind of weather that we we would need an alert for. Uh, what you we didn't need... until last week. Well, yeah. yeah so... <laughs> um, you know, so. But even here, you know, what we need alerts for are things like earthquakes, but, you know, 10 seconds isn't going to buy you much or much less a minute. It's going to take longer to activate the system than it would to actually, um, you know, react to whatever the alert might be. So it's interesting that a lot of things people take for granted in other parts of the countries, like having an emergency alert radio, um, are just not commonplace elsewhere. And like I said, that's the case here. Mm. So... On that note, anything else before we go, guys? No. Nope. The show notes for this week are at tehpodcast.com slash teh79. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook at the TEH Podcast. Occasionally, you know, we could really use your ratings and reviews on iTunes or whatever other service you listen to. Uh, We know that um, uh, Randy started doing this, and and I kind of uh, appreciate it as well. Um, If you tweet something nice about us, we might just screenshot your tweet and put it on our website. It could happen. Anyway, thanks for listening, and we'll see you all again here next week. Take care. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye.